Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today is episode 51. Um, and we are delving into a topic that's um, just come up over, it seems like the last couple of weeks, there have been shifts in the language around sobriety and sober curious. And uh, um, and so we thought we'd have a little look at that today because we've called ourselves a podcast for the sober and sober curious. So it seems very pertinent that we should be having a look at this today. And we just kind of, yeah, sometimes I think it's good to stop and assess where you are and reaffirm your kind of core values where you know whether it's in life whether it's in your family um and yeah so I think there's a bit of that going on really today Mm. um and but before we do um we'll just do our check-in so hey Mandy how are you doing today uh not too bad yeah I've um got both kids at home so we're starting (laughs) like uh half-term holidays um half a week early so two and a half weeks they're gonna have um but that's because we're coming to London tomorrow so that's very exciting Yay. so we are uh event with Sharon um if people are listening to this and they're like oh, I didn't book it there is still a couple of places left so go on our website um and yeah come and join us for Sharon's workshop which is going to be amazing called Create and Thrive um and then yeah so I mean we're going to Harry Potter experience um I'm going to go and see uh, my friend who's just had a new baby baby Grace which is Aww. lovely and um yeah so um I'm I'm excited but you know when you're in that transit like transitional period it's like I'm I'm not here so but I'm not in London yet so it's a bit that kind of frustration but other than that, um, I'm all right. And you? Mm. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, feels like we're still plodding through the process. Um, but we've got, uh, yeah, sort of we, we are getting closer to some resolutions, I think, educationally with what's going on with my son. So I think that feels good. But it is a little bit stressful because, you know, when you're like almost nearing, you feel like you're almost nearing the finish line. And you, mm. can, you can kind of see over it and just go, OK, there's a possibility we might get there. And I always get really nervous at that point. I don't know why I get like last minute nervous or something. Um, but on the but posit- I think it's understandable is that mm. you, you don't want to be let down. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is that's true. I'm still battle mode. Um, yeah. But on a positive note, we had um, two members of the family sort of come over in the last week. And one of whom I had a conversation about sobriety with kind of a really long time ago. And it was really it was really awkward. It was at a family function. And I remember her saying, oh, well, what was your um, did you have a rock bottom then to me? And I just sighed. I was like, I was so out of comfort zone. And I was like, no, I didn't. And then I was like, all right. And just went off. I just left the conversation. I was like, I've got the energy to talk about this. <laughs> and so um, she sort of, because, uh, you know, we were talking, she knows that we're doing a book and the conversation has shifted. And now we had an entirely different conversation. And when we were talking about what was going on at home, she just went, such a good job you're into self-care and you're like, you're you're sober. It's so great that you don't drink and the book's such a good idea. It's like, and I was like, I couldn't believe the kind of, mm. the, the, the whole U-turn from the conversation that had happened. Like, 
only three years ago. So that was really happy. That meant I was like, yay. And then my other member of the family, uh, we were texting about what we were doing for Christmas. And she said, oh, by the way, it's my anniversary on Wednesday. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> Drop the what? So I was like, that's amazing. And so I've um, sent her a card. And do you remember we are in Good Company Girls? Mm-hmm. There were some cards from one of our workshop. And I still had one here. And it said, I'm so proud of you. No more hangovers. I'll raise a mocktail to that. And so I sent a member of my family a anniversary card. So that was like... I couldn't believe the change, you know, in conversations like only like four or five years ago. So hooray to that. Well, that kind of leads, that segues quite nicely into today's topic, I suppose. Indeed. You know, it is a topic of two sides, really. Mm. There's really amazingly positive sides of what's happened in the conversations of sobriety and the sober curious movement. Um, But then perhaps there are some some areas where we want to kind of reestablish, as you said, our position on it um because we've used sober curious in the kind of beginning of the podcast right from the beginning which was actually before this became like a really big thing and and for us it was that nice sort of um that kind of way in for people to be like oh this doesn't feel very nice um and I'm curious about getting better and getting sober but I don't know how to do it and that essentially that's what for me what it was it's just like you know um I'm curious about a different life yeah uh, a sober life uh which is a life where you don't drink alcohol at all um I don't know how did you interpret it when we started to use it at the beginning yeah, exactly right I just thought it was a friendly way of of saying that I am curious about it, like 100%. And it, it's kind of like what it said on the tin. I didn't think of it any more than that, just that I'm curious about sobriety. And obviously, yeah. you're going to be curious about it. And we'll talk about this later because of the sort of social... So, Well, we'll talk about this, yeah. The social buy-in from society, which makes it unquestion- an unquestioned activity and part of your social life. I don't think that you really question it are led to question it in our culture unless it's not working for you because why would you so I think this is something we'll lead on to talking about so you know from kind of an uncomfortable place or a dark place or a place of just like actually this is making me feel like shit or just I'm not I feel like I could live I could be better so it's that and it was definitely that I want to look at not drinking alcohol. I want to try this, you know. So I think, yeah, what does this, what is a sober life like? What is it to be sober? Yeah. Mm. So where does this come from? Why are we having this conversation? Well, there was um, an article that was published um, online. Uh, It came through to to us because we have kind of, google uh notifications about anything to do with like sober um and um yeah it's it's, it's kind of the head of the american addiction um services who has um sort of put out which is this is a conversation which is happening in lots of different sober sort of circles um and people were talking about 
that the sober curious movement, which she says the sober curious or sober sometimes movement Mm. is dangerous for people with addictions, essentially. Yeah, she uh, said what, what it is, the so, sober curious movement is sometimes also referred to. So it was definitely that sober curious equals sober sometimes. And I think mm-hmm. that was the thing that we were like, oh, 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 excuse me. <laughs> yeah, not for us. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, she, she identifies, we'll, we'll link the, uh, the article, and she identifies various different things. And part of it, and this is something that we've always said, and something that is our own experience, this isn't just from, you know, um, theorizing about it, is that any conversations which include, um, you know, off and on abstinence to alcohol or, you know, moderate drinking or mindful drinking uh, is extremely triggering for us. Um, because we come from a place where we had a problematic relationship with alcohol. So it was a problem that needed a solution. And the solution is not drinking alcohol anymore. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) end off, right. Okay. See you next week for more chat. (laughs) (laughs) So for, for anyone that, and you know, and I think the majority of people that are looking, um, at the word sober or are sober curious are coming from the same place. Mm. You know, I just, uh, I don't believe that, um, you know, people that are, that have no kind of um, problematic relationship with alcohol consider it or think about it. I mean, there are people that have problematic relationships with alcohol and don't think about it either. Mm. But those that are consciously um, aware, um, it's not going to be solved by doing dry January or doing, you know, um, drinking every now and again. I mean, that's that's the absolute poison chalice. And it's the mm. opposite of basically of everything that that we believe, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah. So we felt it was important for us to kind of reestablish, um, you know, what it means to be on the spectrum of addiction, um, that it is a spectrum, that it's not a black and white conversation. Um, and actually what's happening at the moment, it, you know, it tends to sort of go in, it's actually making it more polarized. Yeah. Because sure. it's like, Oh, you know, it's this fluffy thing. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm so curious, but I have a glass of wine, you know, on a Friday or at a party. It's like, that's nothing to do with having a pro that's, not possible and an extremely um dangerous language mm. to to present to anyone that's struggling with alcohol yeah. and you know you were going to talk about kind of the the social side of it because of course we are you know um the general kind of social rule is that you drink alcohol and if you don't then you're stigmatized and you're exiled yeah. so for anyone that's vulnerable and that has been struggling with their drinking and I, the key is vulnerable people you know if you're giving them a kind of like fluffy idea that they can mindfully drink every now and again mm. then of course they're going to try and do that but that's what you know for both of us and for mm. a lot of people that's what kept us stuck and our freedom yeah. was stopping drinking completely. Well, yeah, I so was I don't know if say... you can establish, you know, sort of 
talk about that a bit more? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so I think that that point of the the spectrum of addiction or the alcohol use disorder spectrum, and we've talked quite a lot about that about being you know that and sort of that big grey area in the middle. And you came up with another model. Just uh, we were speaking about it before, and it said. Um, what was that? The three. There was the one. So, so normies. Normie. Then normies, alcohol al- abuse. Alcohol abuse and alcohol dependence. So, so my point is that, and I think this is what happened to me when I was, I abused or misused, I would say, alcohol in a maladaptive way for many years. And at that point where you start to question it and think, actually, is this becoming a problem? And I, am I becoming reliant on it? Am I depending on it too much? That's at the point where I think then you're entering into that alcohol dependence. Now, f- historically, when people are at that point, they get shit all support for it. Mm. Right. So you get much more support when it's really, really bad into that black area. And in fact, you get a lot of conflicting messages and what's mirrored back to you, we've talked about this before, is is society's messages of it's completely normal to self-medicate with alcohol, 100%. Especially, you know, men down the pub at the end of the hard day, women now encouraged to ease the stresses of the kids and, and, and everything. So, you know, it's... It is socially costly, was, was the point I was making, and personally costly, because the social buy-in is such that we are we don't want to be different and we don't want to run against the herd like we know that science of happiness evolutionary theory there it's very costly to us to do something that is not normative um Mm. and we saw that you know talking to scott last week you know there's heteronormative there's you know we have alcoholormative behavior in our society um and i think that these conversations you know when we get polarized my worry with it is it will go back to how it used to be where you just go okay there's people that are normies or sober curious will become like oh well I'm just this and this and this and then you'll have this hardcore addiction model at the other end rather than a much more helpful conversation about hang on how are we using this how is it making us feel so that was my I was like oh let's let's be careful not to kind of polarize too much you know yeah and at the same time to not it's difficult it's almost like it's a difficult balance because you want to well we want to say that it's a it's a positive choice and I still even believe if you call something a choice it doesn't mean that you should do it but Mm. at the at the end of the day we all make choices Mm. and that's it you can you know so when I say about a choice it doesn't mean oh well well I will one day and I won't do the next it isn't it's simply directing your behavior you know so um I forgot yeah, what I was going to say bring, now <laughs> to bring it back to sort of alcohol use disorder and we'll yeah. go through the questions that are you know were really helpful for me um because it's talking about a spectrum of use and you know and whether you're one or whether you answer yes to one or whether you answer yes to ten shows how serious the problem is but it does you know it does you can be somewhere on that spectrum but just to sort of hone in on on some stats in terms of the UK you know um the World Health Organization says um that there's 8.2 million people that have alcohol use disorder in the UK and they spread they break it down into three uh categories 
So hazardous drinking, which means people drinking above the recommended limits, but not yet experiencing harm. Um, harmful drinking, people drinking above the recommended limits and experiencing harm, i.e. binge drinking, blackouts, uh, shame, etc. And then alcohol dependence, uh, people drinking above the recommended limits and experiencing harm and having difficulty to stop. So um, tolerance, withdrawal, persistent desire, unsuccessful efforts to account uh, to cut down and and physical shakes, etc. Mm. So they say that in the UK, there's 1.1 million people that are alcohol dependent, uh, which means there's over 7.1 million British people who drink to harmful or hazardous mm. levels. And so this is what we're talking about, sort of socially normal behaviour. So yeah. that includes people that binge drink. That includes people that on a regular basis drink a bottle of wine or drink three quarters of a bottle of wine, you know, who are drinking above the units. And so when we go and we say, oh, hang on, doctor, this, uh, they say, OK, you cut down. And this is where the grey area is, mm. you know, because... Um, at that point, if the conversation was changed and we were focusing on early intervention and focusing on getting people stopping earlier, which is the conversation we're trying to have, yeah. it's like, hang on, the warning bells are going off. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're seeking out sober on the Internet. You're looking around. You're going to your doctor. You're recognizing that you don't feel good about the behavior you have with alcohol. What you need what's the best choice for you right now is to stop completely. Yeah, and that's that permission that we talked about as well. Yeah. Is permission to stop when you're not all the bells, all the warning bells, all the sirens going off and you look around you and just go, shit. Like, you, you're allowed to stop earlier. And that is what, again, that I think I would worry about if we polarise again, we'd stop <laughs> being able to have those talks, which I think help so many people and certainly you know help me <laughs> it's like you know I we were talking weren't we recently as well this is slightly going off piece no it isn't actually this is very pertinent for this so when I was trying to stop drinking for years and years before we had forums like so baristas and access to having the chat about it and having the chat about this particular mm. point on the spectrum and getting off it I said that I were I tried AA and basically in that whole religious framework I was basically it says you know count up your sins really mm. you know make make amends all of this religious stuff which I could not access and we'll probably do a podcast at this at some point because of you know my experiences with religion when I was a kid and, and that were quite traumatic um, and you don't have to have that either you can just not be judeo-christian based or you could be mm. a feminist or you could just hate you know come out in hives at that language right so that was not accessible to me mm. it was not a model that was ever 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 going to work for me so then i go to my doctor and i said look i've really just feel like i'm drinking too much they said okay well you go to the alcohol you know counsellor so instead of being told to count my sins, I was told to count my units. Like I yeah. was not given permission in a respectful, um, intelligent, 
way <laughs> respectful kind of way an appropriate gender appropriate and stage appropriate way to it, it wasn't on the table um <laughs> you know that's what we're talking about and that's why i don't want to yeah that's why i think that those polarizations that are happening like on instagram and with this whole conversation i just i i don't know i get very i get very nervous when when people just start fighting about it because i'm like oh come on look let's let's look at it let's be nuanced let's make room for everyone let's make room for sober mm. yeah. but also let's not call it don't mix being sober curious so we were talking weren't we about club soda yeah and the great work that they're doing we both believe that in terms of changing the kind of macro conversation around alcohol's use and making room at the table for drinkers and non-drinkers. Yeah. Um, but early on in my sobriety, I couldn't go anywhere near them because they used the, the phrase mindful drinking. So that was like, whoop, whoop, red light, trigger, 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 all wonderful. A, I'm into, into mindfulness. And two, I was very into drinking. Well, what could possibly go wrong? So, you know, that was you know a real trigger yeah and I think um something that I think that's because yeah I think that also comes from a position of us being much more secure in our sobriety it's like okay we can sort of enter into those things and we can yeah, see the sure. difference yeah and actually it only occurred when we were sort of chatting about this before the episode that they actually have never used sobriety in their language and I think that's for a reason you know and Laura is very um aware of making a definition about that you know and mindful drinking she has never put on the same table as sober you know and they're called club soda you know and I think those choices are very respectful actually mm. um, and again I couldn't I couldn't go anywhere near any conversations about that because it's not my conversation you know my conversation is about having a problem with alcohol and how did I get free from that problem um, mm, for sure you know, and but on as you say, you know the fact that my the fact on a on, on a bigger scale that it's becoming, you know, mainstream and people are drinking less, and you know that yeah. like my dad who had cancer can go to a pub and have a non-alcoholic yeah, beer and exactly. still not feel you know left out. All of that is is fantastic, and I I really you know I feel so grateful that. That's the positive side of it, you know, that we that people are talking about it more and people are talking about being curious about it. But I think fundamentally it comes down to that thing of that people who are seeking out sobriety are mm. seeking out a life where alcohol doesn't control yeah. them. And, and I agree. And I and you, I th sorry, go on. No, no, that's it. You know, and just that that doesn't get solved by moderating. Um, moderating, yeah. No. And um, and I think that I suppose our and, and, and my sort of journey with love sober and our journey with love sober is that to create a life that you love without alcohol. And and I had no idea the crossovers with recovery. <laughs> yeah. Because I was so like, no, I'm just doing it on my own. I'll have a chat with people, but you're not going to bloody tell me what to do. I'm being bloody minded, which is entirely what I'm like. And I'm really, that's served me well for, for various reasons. Um, 
and and once you find that sort of community and connection that allows you the space to breathe into it and go well how is it for me like mm. like and that's why it's so post- uh, important to have these this conversation open and to be able to breathe some life into it to just go oh okay I'm not going to be ostracized if I if I kind of go you know what I'm not sure about this people are oh you're an alcoholic then you know no like I just let's have a you know maybe I don't know but can I just talk about it please without feeling shameful um yeah and I think that that you know that for me sobriety and falling in love with that word has happened when I decided to engage with myself and my life and ask questions about how I feel and who I am in my life and not to medicate and not to abandon myself when things get tough or things get uncomfortable because uh, that's even more painful and I think that that is there's something there about you know okay you might be mindfully drinking you might be whatever you might have the one gin and tonic at Christmas I, I don't I don't know that is certainly not my path and not my conversation because like you were saying I had a problematic relationship with alcohol a maladaptive one and now I want to live and be sober and love being sober with mm. all of those tools with the toolkit you know with the mindfulness with the self-compassion with the the sheer fucking I don't know what's going to happen in five years and instead of I know exactly I'll be sitting there with a bloody bottle of wine not listening to myself going round and round and round and round because that's where I was and that's where that sometimes drinking sometimes not drinking was it was cycles of fucking misery and I want to kind of shout that from the rooftops a bit of just like no that's that's not the right conversation to be having yeah and I think that's it it's like you know it's it's that recognition that it is hard you know yeah that's a difficult balance to get as well you know brilliant but it can be really fucking hard yeah but, but but it's also that thing of you know like when you're have what what's very confusing in some of the conversations that are happening at the moment in kind of sober curious is that there's a lot of conversation about kind of um being in a high state and yes. you know um sort of high vibes be, sort of thing high vibes being connected etc mm. then why why would you know why would you drink like mm. every so often I mean surely like from that perspective it's like why are you still putting it on a pedestal of something that you still want to keep in your life you know I spoke to a couple of people the other day and they were like oh you know I do still miss a glass of wine you know but I know I can't and I was like oh my god like I don't feel like that at all like there's just you couldn't pay me there's nothing about alcohol that I want in my life because yeah there's nothing you know it doesn't serve it it's not part of my life like it's not you know and and that has given me freedom you know that absolute 100% choice and that 100% decision that's what got me free not like any romanticism or any kind of longing or any Mm. of like I wish I could no it's like I totally no and I think you have to be very like well for me again yeah why it's that that sort of combination then isn't it of that mindset of just you have to cognitively correct your mind about what it actually is which is why Jason Vale was so brilliant for me because it was just like I call bullshit like why 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 are you doing this this is the emperor's new clothes situation and I loved that because I was like yeah because 
why would I have, why would I keep that thought lingering for myself? Like that thought will lead to that door, like Alice in Wonderland, that will lead to drink me, you know, that, mm. that's that doorway. So that doorway needs to be shut. So I think there's that. And I think that the only way we do that is like that whole kind of repetition, 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 and being quite like restraining order on our thoughts whilst the neural <laughs> pathways a rerouting it's like mind boot camp and that yeah. is just sheer fucking muscle power but the light can be the load can be lightened with the sober treats and the self-care and a, a, the dual sort of approach of just like okay but while i'm doing that mental boot camp i can still be snuggling and putting all the good stuff in to lighten the, yeah. the load so it's like um, yeah i mean and it was interesting i was reading about um willpower hmm. recently you know, and, and why willpower doesn't work, you know, why it's not a methodology for habit change in any sort of part of your life. And um, and what what the, the guy said was that, you know, when you're consciously you're, you know, it's kind of like the motivation of inward and outward com- uh, of motivation. It's like what you're um, outwardly doing doesn't match your inward motivation because essentially unconsciously you haven't made the decision you're still putting a like, you know, maybe out there. Mm. And that's why, you know, it's like when you're doing a willpowerful, whatever it is, um, you're, you know, it's it's extremely tiring mm. because, and I think this is probably what you, you experienced in your first year, you know, because mm. it was that thing of like, I'm not doing something. It was that, you know, move away from goals. But essentially that internal thing was still like... Yeah. There wasn't a yeah. shift. And my there. husband's always said mm. that. My husband's always said that, you know, about because he's one of those people that, you know, does amazing kind of shifts, mind shifts. You know, when he decided to stop smoking, it was literally mm. like one day. Yeah. And he was like, but it's not the it's not doing it that's hard. It's making the decision. And once you make the decision, it's easy. Yeah. And, and essentially that's, you know, that's it. And so when you're keeping alcohol in your life at or you're sober curious there is that thing if you're like you're still stuck in that kind of like maybe maybe not mm. and you're not giving yourself the absolute freedom of 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 not having that conversation with yourself anymore mm. like it's done like move on let's look at what we can add mm. in and let's look at how to build a life that we love mm. um so yeah I guess that's why we wanted to kind of just reaffirm um that today yeah Um, I wanted to the um just the questions that come from the um I think it's the National Institute of Addictions the American Addictions and I don't know the actual thing (laughs) (laughs) the the questions which I found about alcohol use disorder which really kind of American society of those that don't that don't drink that (laughs) so so, oh, Jesus. Um, well, maybe like if you're listening in and you know, can you kind of drop us an email? Well, so I've got we can... no. I mean, I've got it. I've got the the link here in front of me. So it's the <laughs> NIAA National Institute dot NIH dot gov. Yeah, so, them, them. Um, <laughs> so it says to assess whether you or a loved one may have an AUD, which is an alcohol use disorder. Here are some questions to ask. In the past year, have you had times when you ended up drinking more or longer than you had intended? 
Have you more than once wanted to cut down or stop drinking or tried but couldn't? Spent a lot of time drinking or being sick or getting over the after effects? Experienced craving, a strong need or urge to drink? Found that drinking or being sick from drinking often interfered with taking care of your home or family or caused job troubles or school problems? Continued to drink even though it was causing trouble with your family or friends? Given up or cut back on activities that were important or interesting to you or gave you pleasure in order to drink. More than once got into situations while or after drinking that increased your chances of getting hurt, such as driving, swimming, using machinery, walking in a dangerous area or having unsafe sex. Continued to drink even though it was making you feel depressed or anxious or adding to another health problem or after having had a memory blackout. Had too much... Had excuse me, had to drink much more than you once did to get the effect that you want, or found that your usual number of drinks had much less effect than before. Found that when the effects of alcohol were wearing off, you had withdrawal symptoms such as trouble sleeping, shakiness, irritability, anxiety, depression, restlessness, nausea, or sweating, or sense things that were not there. And this is the most important part of this questionnaire. If you have any of these symptoms, your drinking may already be a cause for concern. The more symptoms you have, the more urgent the need for change. And that changed my life reading that because it was like, okay, maybe I haven't had all of these, but I've definitely had some of them, Mm. you know. And so that means that that there was that validation. It's like, okay, you know. Mission to stop. It's, yeah, you know, okay, I've had enough of those to go, right, um, I need to stop. Yeah. So we'll put those on the on a link. Um, yeah. But I think it's really, you know, that's essentially who we're yeah. talking to, you know. Um, and yeah. there's no shame in, in, in saying yes to one or all of those. Mm. Um, Can I say something as well about, you know, when you were sort of saying about, um, you know, once you've made the decision and stuff like that, then it being easier. Mm. Now that would, that's used to slightly trip me up when I was early days because I don't necessarily think that you have, well, I certainly didn't have that surety until later on. So I would say to people that even if you're not sure, you know, you're not like 100%, you're like, I'm done with this. You know, I was done with it every kind of Sunday morning, but it didn't mean that I knew I had the tools on board. I didn't know that I had the, didn't mean that I had the support and that I could do it. So your feelings about it may not be that important. You know, the fact that either you feel like you 100% can do it or you 100% can't do it. You're, you will do it by the daily repetitions and the daily checking in with people and the just the daily decision not to do it. If you keep doing that, do you know what I mean? And later yeah. on, the feelings and the surety and the confidence come sort of thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't think um, that that must have come out um, stronger than it, it. You know, it's not that could be like hour to hour, you know, or day to day. You know, it's always that thing like um, for the rest of our lives, one day at a time. You know, it's <laughs> that thing is like, a, you know, yeah, I mean, there's no way at the beginning I'd be like, yeah, this is like totally my life. But there had, there was that moment, okay, of like, right, I'm done and I'm going to do today. And then, you know, set that sort of intention 
again in the morning of like right I'm gonna do today yeah and you know um so that decision I think the difference with with willpower is that at one point you're going to bounce back if that's all you're using you know Mm. it's kind of saying like the difference between I don't know like anything that you want to change a habit that you want to change um any diet you know it's like diets don't you know it's like that thing of like that if you are just sort of withholding doing something for a certain amount of time then when that time is over you're just going to go back to the same behavior whereas it's like once you make that decision okay like that's not something I do anymore then you have to your brain has to find different solutions yeah because that's no longer an option therefore what else can I do and that is such an important question, isn't it? Well, all the time and when we're triggered and those, especially those early days when the triggers just come flying thick and fast, it's like, okay, stop. What's going on? What else can I do? What am I going to do instead? Am I going to go yeah. for a walk? Am I going to go for a bath? And it's that, you know, once again, we talk about it a lot, but it is the building blocks. It's those kinds of rinse and repeat actions that are the building blocks of being sober and habit change, you know. Yeah, and distract, you know, yeah, and distraction. Know that it will it will pass and just be it will pass. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. What is your are we done? Have we done I think so, yeah. yeah. I feel like I've kind of ranted a bit. Have I been a bit angry and ranty today? No, I think we both have, but <laughs> we do we do get messages occasionally <laughs> saying, Don't apologise, I love your rant. So that's fine. It's, t- it's time in the month, my lover, isn't it? It is both sides of the channel. Both sides of the channel. That's got to be a metaphor for something. (laughs) Yeah. Dear, oh dear. Oh, gosh. On that that note, um, yeah, what's uh, what's your reason to love sober? (laughs) My reason to love sober is the, uh, I think it was the kind of the high points of, you know, the changed conversations this week about, you know, and sending my... A uh, member of my family, a, a soberversary card. It's like I never thought that would ever happen. Like I was like, you know, when would that, when would that ever happen? So that's made me feel really happy and part of a, oh, I don't know, just a really good, positive um, movement for people. You know, I like, I feel part of a, I get all like, oh, I'm part of a movement feeling, which makes me feel like yay well I think that's what's quite interesting to to point out you know and this is the thing of being connected with sober communities because one of the things that you fear the most is that exile from your you know from social life and you know the social norms and Mm. then it's like oh now I have another family like another I've got a better one yeah I've got a better one so fuck you No, I'm only joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, well, well I'm not yeah. joking. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That connection that keeps us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like we 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 all crave belonging, um, mm. and just because you you get sober doesn't mean that you won't belong anymore. You just you know belong to a different um group yeah and it's like that support coming from appropriate places so it's like not everyone in my life loves kind of musical theatre 
<laughs> and not everyone's going to get the fact that I'm sober, but the fact that you have those support networks means that it's it's fine, isn't it? It's fine anyway because yeah. you've got the strength, you've got the backup, you've got the resilience in your weak points, and when you're in your low moments, you've got the right people to vent to and celebrate with. So it just means that the pressure's off areas of your life which haven't caught up yet or which just don't quite fit with it and but yet you still fit with you you know because we're not just about that are we so no another seamless link into that we do have our own community which is (laughs) life Um, so if um i mean it's women's only um so if yeah if you are looking for sort of like-minded people just to come and hang out and we call it our virtual cafe don't we come out and have a have a chat um you know we have webinars which are a bit more directed in terms of uh, personal development and and sobriety um but you know essentially it's there as peer support and you know to come and moan or discuss or question um with other women that are on the same path so yeah if you're interested in that then um the details are on our website. Um, there we go. Got a seamless plug in there. <laughs> What's your reason to love sober then, Mandy? <laughs> um, love sober life. Um, no, uh, yes, uh, no. Um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> that was very West Country. Yeah, yeah but, but, no, but. Um, <laughs> Europe. I like, um, I like, learning I like learning new stuff and I feel like my brain has switched on again Mm. after years of you know like I didn't even I mean I'm an avid reader but I can't remember any of the books I read when I was drinking I can't remember you know sort of like read a a chapter or whatever and pass out um yeah and just getting that kind of spark of like right like oh you know so we're learning about somatic you know yeah. movement at the moment we're yeah. learning about kind of trauma responses and yeah it's just it's it's very fulfilling mm. um to me oh. and um that's what's your tip of the day tip of the day um okay so i put in an emergency haircut this morning because I was a little bit feral um, and also because I was a little bit boo and it's just made me feel like a million dollars so and I sat there and I read um, I love <laughs> I've got this like um, little hairdressers at the bottom of our road and I, d- I hope my usual hairdresser isn't listening because I've totally cheated on him but he comes to the house and he works quite a long way away and he is amazing but so I just like went down there and it's run by two girls who are lovely and they've got a sign up that says too glam to give a damn right <laughs> and I was like yay and we just chatted total shit right so mm. I just like literally read closer magazine had a coffee and chatted shit for a good hour while I was totally pampered and just talked about the length and how much I wanted off and it really really cheered me up so my tip of the day would just be you know do something really light and <laughs> treatish and that makes you to feel too glam to give a damn oh nice how can I top that <laughs> you could talk about your waxing <laughs> no that's like yeah 
Uh, that's not anything. There's no treat in there, really. Uh, <laughs> especially because I, I walked in and I forgot the name of the woman who's actually like my son's friend's mum. And I forgot. <laughs> so I walked in and it was her. It's just like, oh, hi. Yeah, how's school? Whilst <laughs> whacking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but... We, we talk a bit about having, you know, who's on your A team. And, yeah. and I did think that the other day that like people that you might think are kind of your trusted um, carers, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of think, right, like family, friends, you know, mum, I don't know, best friend, whatever. Um, and actually, they might not be those people. And it might be your hairdresser. Yeah, exactly. Like I went to see my um, my <laughs> oh dear my um master uh, naturopath um yeah. Yeah. my sober treat I go I shouldn't feel ashamed no I'm you not shouldn't ashamed. don't apologize for your massage that's your like you work yeah. for that every month yeah so yeah. I go and, and I see uh she's a naturopath so she she specializes in nutrition and kind of mineral and um homeopathy and oils and all those sort of things and uh, she's uh gives cracking massages uh and so I see her once a month and um and because I'd had like quite a very well very difficult time over the last couple of weeks uh due to kind of trauma triggers and was very close to uh panic attacks um and I went to see her and she was just like you know what like this is my phone number you know just if if you're gonna have a panic attack just call me up and you know, I will just take all that information and I'll put it in your file, but it'll be mm. off your back. And I was like, oh, you're my A-team. Oh, like, lovely. You know, and you're this random woman, but you are part of that thing yeah. that just makes me feel safe, safe. And, and and cared for. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll steal your tip. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, when, my, when that lady was washing my hair today, it's the first time I'd ever been to her, and she was washing my hair. And I said to her, it's so lovely when people wash your hair, isn't it? Like, it makes you feel, like, really cared for. And we had a chat about it when you, when you were little and your mum used to wash your hair. And, you know, it was so nice and so female. And mm. I love that, that she said, oh, yeah, I could, it'll be off your back and you, I'll put it in your file. She's totally mm. on your way to. Yeah. so there we go all right then well let's leave it there let's wrap it up for today so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking please do reach out you could send us an email you can come and join our group that um the details are on lovesober.com um you could reach out for other forms of support online you know there are lots of groups on facebook and online for you to um to have a look around and see what's a really good fit but don't feel like you're on your own reach out um you maybe you know obviously gp is a good port of call and alcohol uh change in the uk has agencies of local support in your area and so stay safe and have a good week and we'll meet you for uh, next week for more chat bye bye